Yeah, yeah. Anytime you have a sentence with yet, he says, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to wear the goggles tonight or not. But it's funny. I'm trusting the Lord about the, the, the floaters that have showed up over here like little hairs, and then they explode, and there's a jillion little tiny pieces that blur things. And I've had to, first time in my life, put reading glasses on to read regular print stuff in a Bible. The last few days, I haven't had to do that. Oh, that's good. So praise God, you know, he's, His Word works. His Word is true. Mm -hmm. But I'll have them here just in case there's something small and I, um, it's it's fuzzing on me. But the problem is, that eye has the fuzzy, like the light refracting around the million little pieces. It it makes a blur over here and it causes depth perception and stuff problems mm -hmm. right. with the other eye, which is seeing just fine. Right. So it messes up. Okay, all right. So anyway. Um, my birth father uh, had kind of disappeared. He showed up at age 15 in South Texas to fight our adoption. Arthur E. Warlick had married my mama when I was six, seven, right after that divorce in Arizona. And then we ended up moving to Texas. And he, he shows up, we hadn't heard from him, seen him, didn't know who he was really anymore. There were three of us. He shows up to fight the adoption just boo-hooing to us, oh, I just love you, I just miss you so much, I can't believe you're doing this to me. And since since there was not an emotional connection coming up, the, uh, this other man had stepped in, it was our daddy. Uh, we, we told the judge, we're agreeable to this adoption, we asked, that's part of the ask, if you agree right. to this. Right. So he did this and said, done, you're now a warlock. And so he disappeared after that, okay, for 20-something years. We had grown up, I was married and had kids, Susie was married and had kids and a grandkid or two, and then Sandra had married and had kids and it wasn't going to be long before another grandchild of hers came. Mm -hmm. Sandra, uh, he somewhere or another contacts the aunts in Arizona and, and finds out and talks to Sandra who is living with my mom and dad in, in Texas, talks her into coming out to visit uh, in Virginia. She goes out there and leaves her kids behind, goes out there, and he was married to this gal that was an absolute witch named Janice. She was a Jehovah's Witness, and got him going there with her. She was, she was just a witch, hmm. and uh, he he married her and had a couple, had a daughter and two sons by her, and talked Sandra into coming out there. She went out there. She was out there less than a month, and they're telling us that she killed herself. Hmm. I get a call from my mom screaming one night. He killed her, he killed her. They, She had gotten depressed there, okay? And she's a little 85 pound, little skinny weakling. They're trying to tell us that she reached down with her little weak arm and pulled the trigger on a shotgun and put it up to her chin. We know better than that. We know that didn't happen. Anyway, that's what happened, so we ended up with that. And so that was the interaction that he, he shows up. We had a, a funeral in Texas where my folks lived for her and then we had to go to North Dakota for aunt. My wife's dad was had passed away for history right then with kids. He shows up at that funeral. <laughs> Hadn't seen him in all these years. Gret runs up, tries to throw his arms around me. Oh, I love you so much. I miss you so much. And I'm like, okay, okay. No. He grabs my kids. They didn't know who he was. They never really heard of him. And all, they're, they're this big and all. Well, then I didn't hear anything again. After all that funeral was over, I didn't hear anything again. 
but he called back again through the years. And four years ago, uh, I he called, I answered, and, and I was on the road to Missouri for a project. I was on him three hours. He got a he was hell, James. Hey. He was a master. Hello, Isaiah. Hey. How's it going, man? Good to see you. Got coffee over there, water, cookies. Anything to to destroy your health with, I guess. Here. <laughs> You're graduating, huh? Or you already have? I have graduated. Great. <laughs> Great. We're going to be honoring you and Amber with uh, the only two that we know in the church who graduated this week. But mm -hmm. Sunday morning, if you're hopefully you'll be there with us. We have a gift for you. Stuff mm -hmm. from the church. And we'll be honoring you guys and praying over you. Which from? Which school? Knowledge Lane Academy. Oh, okay. Uh, homeschool. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. My, my kids all went 12 years of homeschool. They went to Abeka. You've heard of Abeka? Out of Pensacola, Abeka Christian School down there. And the college, Pensacola Christian College. And uh, it, it worked real well for them. It's the best thing. It's I, I would not allow them in the public school system. I wouldn't allow them to go. Sorry. Hello, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, not to put public schools down. They've served a purpose through the years. It's just they, they've gotten so... I've got where I call it a demon exchange. As kids go there to exchange demons with each other, you know, it seems like there. So, and all the, the way they treat people and stuff there. Anyway, forgive me, Lord, <laughs> for bringing that up. Uh, my birth father, I hadn't heard from him in all these years, and now we're, we talked again, and he was still, I just love you so much and miss you. You hadn't seen me or anything in all the 40 years now, you know. But I talked to him. I wasn't mean, I don't believe in being mean wasn't mean I, I talked to him courteously and lovingly and all mm -hmm. and uh, that was three years ago well I hadn't heard from him since I find out from a cousin a cousin living in Panama City it was part of the Alabama family there and she'd moved down and hadn't had much to do with him but she she contacted me to tell me that he's in hospice a few days ago and that, uh, that she thought maybe I'd want to get a hold of him and, and talk to him, maybe go see him or something like that. She was planning to go up and see him. And she said he was my favorite uncle. He was such a kind man, which I, I think that was true. He was a, okay. a very kind man. He was chief of police, but he was a real kind man and all. And so I, Sunday evening, after all the church, we had church, we had people from uh, lunch, we had folks visiting that we hadn't seen in a while. And after that, I had this urge, you need to call him. So I called, spoke about an hour and a half, um, even sang him one of my songs I wrote and stuff, and, and he was touched, oh, and I, yeah. I said, I have to know this. I said, I have to know this before we hang up here. I have to know that you, you're at peace and you know where you're headed if, if things play out the way the doctors have told you. Bladder cancer, stage four, is what they told him. So he was, He'd moved in with my half-sister, Tammy, that they had there in Virginia, and moved in with her two years ago when his wife died. Moved in and was dealing with the bladder cancer all this time, and it was in hospice. Uh, he didn't tell me that it was a matter of days or minutes or anything. He just talked and carried on like normal, and we shared and stuff, and I finally said, I have to know this. All these years, I have to know this. Do you know where you're going? Do you know, do you know the Lord Jesus? What happens if, if it plays out like the doctors are saying and you leave us here? What's happened? He confessed Jesus as Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
He's saved. Glory to God. He's over there. Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday evening, I get a, another message from my cousin in Panama City. She says, uh, one, did you know that Doug died today? So that was just a little over a day before. And I don't know why that even bothers me or anything like that. But there, there's a genetic connection, even though there wasn't an emotional connection because mm -hmm. being separated so long and stuff. But, so, you, know, you felt like you had, I, you'd uh, come to peace with forgiving him for any of the things of, of the past. I, I have I have put it behind me, like Paul uh -huh, said. Uh -huh. I put it behind. Okay, so that's so I'm not mad at one him. option of why yeah. something might still bother. Well, yeah, me, it's it's it. It still bothers to think about him saying, I don't want nothing to do with it. Yeah. I was yeah. six or something like that, and the folks had divorced, and she moved me up near the Phoenix area and remarried, and I began missing my daddy. He was the chief of police and my hero and all that. And I began bawling, squalling, wanting to see him, and she packed my stuff up in a suitcase and took me down to Gila Bend an hour away, pulled up in front of his house, and she went up there, and uh, he had a couple of floozies in the house with him, is what it was. So he says... I don't want that boy. Take him home. And she had to come out to the car and explain to me what happened. So that was a like a deep wound inside. You know, that's a huge wound inside. So I've lived with that all these years, and basically put it behind. That's that's forgiven. And the ultimate forgiveness is to say, I want you to be saved. I want you to be in heaven when I get there. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what I know for sure that he crossed the bridge. I I suspect he was waiting on that very thing. Mm-hmm. He was waiting to, to close that chapter of life with me and my sister Susie, I think he called her too. And I got the phone number. So anyway. <laughs> Are we okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're gonna rehash the uh, we talked about character the time before the session before those last one. Very important. And <laughs> discuss a few things about that to kind of bring Isaiah up to speed. And James, you were there for that one. But we're going to get into the idea of understanding your margins in life. And the margin could be what is actually valuable to you. It could actually be what is of profit to you, what you consider profit or profitable, okay? So we're going to recap uh, our session on character here to start this off. It's the will. What is character? What's the definition? It's the will to do what is right as defined by God and his word regardless of what it costs you. Okay. How do we know that? How do we do that? Well, number one, we have a pre-decision on the inside. Uh, Brother Copeland would call it a quality decision. Maybe you've heard that before. A quality decision is a decision from which there is no backing up. There's no turning away from it. You make that, and you're going forward no matter what with it. Okay. And as men, we, we have to do that. We, we absolutely are time. We have to do that in life. Okay. So you make a quality decision. You're going to do what's right, and you let what is right be determined by what God has in his word about the subject and then doing what is right because it is right not because it's convenient because how many of you seen it's not always convenient to do the right thing matter of fact it's inconvenient to do the right thing a lot of the time what I've discovered in life um, Psalms 15 Psalm 15 if you got your yeah. Bible at least in the short run yeah yeah I like one of the things dad Hagen shared with us <clears throat> He is in the ministry 60, 66 years when he left for heaven. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, uh, he made the statement, it doesn't cost to serve God. It pays. Mm -hmm. 
Psalms what? 15? Psalm 15. I've got big letter Bible here. That's why I brought it, but I'm going to put the goggles on. Isaiah, I've had 20-20 vision. I'm 60 years old. I've had perfect vision all my life. And just recently, Dola talked me into going for the eye exam. And since they put these drops and stuff in there, it's been a mess up here in these eyes. I had first time I had to put on goggles to read and also. And I haven't the last few days. It's been getting better, but I, this, when you get the smaller letters sometimes. Psalm 15, I'm a long ways away. Uh, page 873. Okay, I've got it on nine, nine twelve actually. Page seventy three is in my page nine twelve. How about that? You got twin Bibles, huh? No, it's not got the little thingy thingies on the side. Quick reference. Psalm number fifteen. Lord, who shall abide in the in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Saying there, who's who's welcome to be with you? to live at your side, to be with you. Who, who, who will you pal with? Who you bud with, you know? Uh, he that walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart, he that backbites not with his tongue. Have you ever been anywhere and before you know it, everybody's stabbing each other with their mouth? <laughs> I remember in my teen, years, teen like, yeah, years, that yeah. was huge. You know, <laughs> high school, that was huge. <laughs> Sit around and start down on someone, they everybody else would jump on them. They'd yeah. find someone else, and yeah. but that's what the word says. The one that that God buddies with is they don't backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. That's that backbiting thing, you know. Take up and talk about how terrible they are, mm. how they didn't. I'd have never done what they did, kind of deal, you know. Because you you might have, you probably would have. <laughs> if you say that, you probably will. <laughs> yeah. In whose eyes a vile person is condemned. That's in God's eyes. A vile person is condemned. But he honors them that fear the Lord. He that swears to his own hurt and changes not. In other words, he promises and doesn't back off. Equality decides on that promise, okay? Uh, he that, that uh, swears to his own hurt and changes not. He that doesn't put his money out for interest or usury, that's the word they used nor takes reward against the innocent. He that does these things shall never be moved. That's a profile of the man of character, okay? So look at the things he talks about in the verses there. Number one, he talks about integrity, he that walks uprightly and works righteousness, okay? A man of action works righteousness, okay? A man of honesty speaks the truth in his heart. He that backbites not with his tongue, the opposite would be encouraging folks, right? A man of encouragement. Uh, and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. In other words, a man of honor. In the some point, we probably will do a series, not necessarily in here, maybe in the church, about the royal family honor code. We're in a family. In Ephesians, he says, I, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So we're a family. It also says we're royal priesthood to God. We're, we're kingly. King, we're royalty. Kings and priests. Kings and priests, right? So mm -hmm. a royal family, you can 
follow the Queen of England's bunch over there and some of the other royal families of Europe and different places, they have an honor code. They don't do certain things among themselves or to each other. It's an honor code. So there is a royal family honor code in the body of Christ for the family of God, okay? So <laughs> a man of honor. And then uh, number six, a man of his word. He that uh, swears to his own hurt and change is not a man of his word. And then a man of generosity. He doesn't put out his money. Uh, usury is a dirty word, actually, according to the spiritual things, according to the Lord and the words. It's a dirty word. Uh, you know what interest is? Interest is paying rent on money that you're using of someone else. The bank, the, the whole... Yeah, basically money for extra money you pay for the use of the money. You rent the money is what you're... And mm -hmm. that's what the banking... That's what our banking system is founded on. It was... Uh, it's, pretty well demonic the way it's all set. The rule of 72, compound interest, you buy a house, a $100,000 house, and you're paying these $1,000 a month payments and starting out for years and years, you're only paying 10 or $14 a month on that loan. Yeah. The rest of yeah. it's interest. That's that's yeah. sinful. Well, that's what I was trying to say last week about the J.P. Morgan. That's, and that's how my son's mortgage is set up. Mm -hmm. For years, he's, he's been paying now 15 years on his $60,000 loan. And owes probably and, still 59 something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. He still owes over half the principal, big time. Yeah. That, that's but, that's but simple. DuPont, DuPont had went to JP Morgan and he was distraught because Ford kept undercutting him in price. So, and he said, there's no way I can go lower than that or as low. And J.P. Morgan said, sure you can, free. But what was it? A free upfront. But then he said, you will own them because they will be paying the interest and yeah, all that on, exactly. on, on the vehicles that they're buying. They'll end up paying more, but right now they can afford nothing. But you got them hooked. Put it in their hands and put them in a, in a no holds barred debt situation they can't mm -hmm. get out of. Yeah. And then do this rule of 72 with them when they're paying very little principal. Mm -hmm. If you have a mortgage, the best thing to do is get an extra $1,000 a year and in December 31st, pay that on principal. So mm -hmm. that's fine. You will move yourself ahead. 1000 will move you ahead about 15 years on that load yeah. on payments. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, basically what I did when um, company that I worked for decided to leave and not take any of our department with them, but we got severance. So I took the severance, I used the unemployment and paid my bills with that. I took the severance and paid off principal on my house. Mm -hmm. And so by a couple of years, you know, I was Did you get free debt free. You got free debt free. That's the way to be. Yeah. If only we can get rid of this property tax system, we'd be good in shape. Yeah, because that's that's yeah, that was the rotten thing. I thought I yeah. had it made. Yeah, and then I got property tax and insurance. You talk about <laughs> a financial culture shock when I moved up here. And we're looking at properties. And well, <laughs> Illinois, man, they get you. We're the second huh? highest in the nation here of property taxes. Mm -hmm. I uh, a place like my farm in Oklahoma, I was uh, three hundred and seventy-nine dollars a year property tax 40 acres and a 2500 square foot house barns a creek an 80 tree pecan grove worth a bunch of money 379 a year in 20 years it went up to 679 but here that would be about 
starting out, you'd be paying, I was looking at some today, you'd be paying uh, about 1500 a month property tax, something like that. I, I was in shock. <laughs> anyway, we're not, that's not the word. Yeah, so have we <laughs> been over the years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, generosity would be the other aspect from Psalm 15 of yeah. the man of character. Uh, some character killers, flexible uh, standards, flexible values. You know, in other words, you're not steadfast on what you stand for and believe in. You'll move with whatever the wind's blowing. Mm. And we, we got to be careful. As a man of God, we got to be careful. We got to be real careful about that. Be, be settled in what we're going to. Yeah, one of the good things is to have it in writing. Well, you got it in writing, but I mean, put down your values, your mission statement, all those sort of things in writing to keep it before you, you know. Uh, I don't. Huh? I need James. I don't remember what the preacher's name was this morning. I was watching on the Ag Channel. But uh, he's got a, a really specific way that he puts the word out mm-hmm. by reading scripture and portraying it towards modern day mm-hmm. and explaining how the olden day was on how he's talking about the edge of the sword and the devil has got the, the double-edged sword which is we have, talking about his yeah. tongue he's a liar yeah it can cut you either way you know yeah and um how the, we had to put faith in in the lord's word which stated mm-hmm. that the sword to be behind would be the king because that was a righteous blade to be able to cut down the evil that was invading the country. Yep, exactly. And he, and he calls the word that too. Though. Right, he's all bringing he this out of Ezekiel, you know, and speaking about Ezekiel. And uh, uh, let me think what it was. It was uh, the main point he was trying to make was uh, that uh, we have to, we have to steadfast like you just said in the word and stick with it yep and as it states in the word those who will be will go first will be last mm-hmm. meaning that the double-edged tongue is going to convince all them people no i'm the way i'm the way i'm the false but i'm the way yep and all them people will jump first that's how they get to be the last because then that's when God will judge them last because he already knows where they're going because they jump first to go yeah, he might not as well real. open the gate to the flames, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird way he does, he puts a sermon on, but it's, it's, it's righteous, you know? Flex. It gets you to thinking about the scripture and how to interpret it. Exactly. Got to, got to, stand on a solid rock that's what Jesus exactly. compared the word to a rock rather than a beach exactly you can't build your house can't put your framing up on a beach because it'll wash away title take it out so flexible standards and values um, you know people men don't realize this men I'm talking about in relations between males and females and stuff and marital and, and boyfriend girlfriend stuff Men don't realize this. Men are, they're, they're activated, they're turned on by their eyes. Mm-hmm. The sight of the eyes uh, gets a man excited, you know, in, in a lot of ways. That's what does. That's the reason pornography is such a huge seller around the earth because all these men who don't understand control of their mind and guarding their heart, they give themselves into that. And, and so uh, they're turned, men are turned on by the sight of the eyes. Women are turned on by security. 
what can you offer me in the way of security? Mm. Okay. I mean, they, but so a, a guy, he sees that finely turn as in Lady in the Tramp, that finely turned paw over there, and he's woo, woo, woo. But the lady is, oh, well, he's, you know, and, and my first wife admitted this to me one time. She said, I was attracted to you. You weren't the, the handsomest uh, ram in the flock or nothing like that, but, or the, the biggest, studliest guy around there, but she said there was a steadiness and a sturdiness, and I knew I could depend on you, and I knew you would take care of me and our kids. And she was a beautiful woman. She, she just that that she was being frank and said that's that's really what attracted me was the fact that she would, and the Lord had told her too. But I mean, the reason you that I wasn't resisting the idea of you. Okay. That's how I got my third one because I'm the steadfast money making man. <clears throat> yeah. Good armor security. I was hardly ever without work or at least some means of income. And that is important too. That me. was above board, yeah. not under the table thievery or, you know, illegal well, dealings. One of the things that we learned in the life skills training that I did in Colorado was a, uh, a um, God designed the, the one man, one, one woman deal, ideally, okay? He's, he has the ideal woman for a man to be married to the ideal Eve for the Adam. And in, uh, what you're supposed to do is you save yourself sexually for that, that one Eve because what happens is it sucks about you leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife. That act of cleaving, that first uh, sexual intercourse, making love with your wife, is a bonding, spiritual bonding experience and brings you together spiritually. Mm -hmm. And yeah. whenever you... As, as it is when you stray, when you yeah. do with the harlot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or an adulteress, either one. Right. Yeah. But see, that, that's an important thing to realize he says what happens, he's sharing with us, what happens is you bond with that woman for life, actually. Even though she may not be your woman, your Eve, you've bonded with her for life. And so whenever you, 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 if you get married to her anyway, then you've got tension and stress, and that's not the right woman right there. Right. See, that's the reason he says don't, reason he says flee fornication. In other words, run, forest, run when it's presented. They're, they're, I, I was afraid... Mm -hmm. Growing up, I was afraid of disappointing my mom. It wasn't as much the fear of God as it was afraid of disappointing my mom. I was a mama's boy. So I did not get involved with the partying, with the, the, the other kids going off and doing sexual things. I did not get involved with that stuff back in those days. When it presented itself to me, I would back away. I would run forest run. That's silly and stupid. I know a lot of people's eyes. That's how it worked in my life. And that's why it's important. I didn't know that. I didn't know the importance of it until uh, Dr. Hegstrom was sharing with us psychologically and spiritually you bond with that Eve and that's a lifetime deal supposed to be that's why you cleave you're bonded for life and so he said what's happened in in society today and throughout history the people not adhering to that principle what happens the men are all their marbles are all messed up it's, it's, also, it's also written yeah it's also written in, in the divorce aspect that uh, you took a vow with that female, mm -hmm. okay? And that vow is steadfast to till death be part. It's serious, yeah. So, you know, even though you are no longer together and the law has broken you apart, in God's eye, you're still married. Yeah. And so therefore, if you fornicate with another female, you are committing adultery 
and if she fornicates, then she is the adulteress. And you're, you're putting. And you're both condemned. You're putting scar tissue on your soul, which is not. God, God says no, 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 no you scar tissue. You have to repent big time. You need to repent and get it cleaned off. That's right. And I got off on that and took five minutes on that. Maybe, <laughs> but it, maybe it was necessary. Maybe it was something that was needed for, for well, all of us to understand. It is part of character. It's something yep. that you've got to think about. Standards you know? and values. You know, set a standard. I, I had made the decision. And when I met Dola, uh, she had come out. We Here she's been in the ministry 35 years. I'd been in it 30, 40, 38 years. So here we are, two strong, spirit-filled Christian people coming together. Uh, I had been widowed. Dola had been single for 30 years. Her husband walked out on her when their baby was that big. And we're, we're coming together. We're realizing we're maybe we're meant for each other after the death of my deceased of Anne and realizing that. And so we're hanging together. And... I said to her, we were at her house fellowshipping on a Valentine's week after that cruise that we met on. I was took him up for Valentine's Day and took her out and, and, and I stayed. I said, I will not besmirch your reputation, Dola. I'm sure you've got a good reputation around here. I won't do that. I'll find some place to, to stay. And it just so happened one of her pastor's friends had a prophet's chamber about four miles away at his place that I was able to stay the weekend. So we stayed righteous. And then staying and fellowshipping with her, we went out to eat and went to a little a nice movie together and stuff. And, and then I'd be at her house and she'd be sharing, we'd be talking and maybe watching a, a Netflix together or something like that. And by the third day, we realized something was going on. And I, I reached over and kissed her. She said, I was wondering when you're going to kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what's, she was thinking, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> Because I guess you know, I guess it's common for guys to get after it after after ladies sometimes when they're alone with them. And I said, "You don't have to worry about me. I have decided we will not destroy our righteousness between us." I said, "I don't care if you decide you want to. I won't. I commit. I covenant that with you. I will not do that." And you know what? It worked. <laughs> it worked. You know, opportunity after opportunity. But nope, we're not doing that sort of thing. So anyway. Not bragging on myself. It's just important to, to keep the standards and the values firm and rigid before the Lord. And the distorted vision of manhood. Isaiah, some of the the younger men today, I, I really have a I don't know if you call it a compassion or not even a pity for the way that they have destroyed the idea of manhood. I know you've got a good good man for a father and he's showing you a good example. But I'm talking about just society. How a man should be a man. Sometimes it gets pretty hard because what you're trying to raise your kids on is different nowadays. People don't believe in that kind of system no more. The so new the, 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 the new song is when a man loves a man, right? <laughs> <laughs> they forgot Otis Redding. Now they're doing when a man loves a man. <laughs> that's sad, you know. It's sad, and I don't know why I'm getting off on that, but that that's. A distorted vision of manhood. Because it states right there, and it's written, man shall not touch man. That's right. It's written. That's what a woman was created for. You put that out in public, they're going to come after you like a pack of hyenas. That's right. And and that's why they're grabbing out of all society. They're trying to grab God out of the picture. Yeah. Trying to take him off our money, and God we trust. Someone had brought something up about that, that rainbow movement somewhat. And I made a statement that God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, so we should stick with the original plan. 
you should have seen the responses to that. I mean, the, the NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association people, the uh, flag, I think they call it, uh, something, something to do with perversions and, and gay. That's what it stood for. I mean, them people were on top of me. All you can do is, this is what the word says. We need to obey this. We're not going to listen to your opinions. Right. But they got I've all even, over me. That that's society. I've even gotten the argument. Well, well, God's gonna love me regardless. No, the word says no. It's a no. He said no. You're gonna get a spanking. Right. You're, you're gonna get a spanking. Well, he's not gonna kick me out of heaven for it. Yes, yeah. he will. You, your name's not gonna it, be it in the book. It says that the ones who engage in that will not go through the gates. And that's something that doesn't that. make sense to me either, because you know. There's, there's a belief of once saved, always saved. But numerous times, I've, I've even noticed here people that kept, what's the word for it? I'm just going to say, people that kept sinning the wages of sin was death. In Revelations, I mean, if it, if it really was that way, we wouldn't need church. We wouldn't need to come through. We wouldn't no. praise God. No. I mean, you go in Revelations, God even spoke to the seven churches and said, get your acts right or I'm going to take your last name. You know, you I mean, I guess you ain't got, there's no conviction. There's no correction. No, no fear of God. No fear of no God. No fear of God. See, when I, when I was growing up, at the earlier years, you know, the Assemblies of God and Pentecost churches there, uh, I called the preachers would beat the sheep with the word, and and that worked in a lot of cases. You know, they didn't it didn't work on me because I was scared of Mama more than I was of the preacher. <laughs> but, but they would do that, and it would put the, the fear of God into people, into younger people, and so they would say, "I'm not going to do that." Oh no, no, I can't, I can't disappoint God that way. Now, what just happened here? My earbud just blasted off with that Monday night football thing. Oh. <laughs> it does that sometimes. So anyway, where were we? We're talking about the, 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 the sadistic sexual advances that the people are living in today. Yeah. It's crazy. But it you know, totally nothing, there's nothing new. The Bible said nothing new under the sun. They've done it every generation, it seemed like. Some generations there was an awakening and God would get a hold of people and you know, 150 years ago, Charles Finney and that bunch, and then uh, Charles, uh, uh, the Methodist, Charles Wesley and those guys. The Great myself. Awakening, they called it and all. The, the, the bars were closing down. The, the brothels were closing down because there were no customers. Because mm -hmm. the people had, there was enough of a change inside their hearts that God got, Jesus got a hold of them and made them more like him. So there was no demand for that service. And one of the things that we did in Oklahoma uh, a pastor there, uh, my CGMA, Country Gospel Music Association deal, um, we had a chapter in Bartlesville, and we had some kind of an outreach that we did a, a singing event at his church building one time. He walks up afterward and says, well, the Lord's talked to my heart. He says, here's a key to my building. He says, use it anytime you want, no charge, except uh, Sunday morning and Thursday night. We, do, we have service in. So we began having, I prayed about it, we began having a Saturday 5 o'clock because... Saturday is still God's Sabbath. That never changed. It was changed by men to Sunday, which was a heathen holiday, heathen worship day. So I, I could go into a seminar on that. I'm not going to 
I'm not griping at us for having church on Sunday, but that's, that was the original day of rest and day of church was Saturday, the Sabbath, the Shabbat, the Hebrews called it. Right. So we had a Saturday 5 o'clock service, and I called it the Communion Jubilee service in that building. We, the most we ever had in there was maybe 100 at one point. And we had great services in there to share the word, the Lord give good word. Every week we would... Uh, uh, people would send prayer requests by email and text from all over the world and all over the states and all that stuff and, and we would have that printed out and be praying over each one of those and then we'd take communion over them we heard all kinds of testimonies about that that's what we did on on saturday evening every week uh, eventually people moving away and falling away and stuff like that well eventually we, we we just moved to a healing school on sundays and that's it sunday afternoon but anyway that's uh that's part of my history anyway that we did there so anyhow, back get get back on track here, or else we won't be done in time here. Uh, taking shortcuts to manhood and maturity, it's possible to do that. I'm not going to go into that right now, but taking shortcuts to your manhood, there needs to be. Paul talked about running a race, right? And we understand the race he's talking about. He was back in the days of the original Olympic Games in Greece, and the they trained the, those guys were bad to the bone. I'm telling you, athletes were back then. They're not. They're pretty good today, but I mean, they were, and they did some really, almost miraculous things. But they trained, and trained and trained, and there was a particular steps that they had to go through to get to the maturity in their event, whatever it might be, high jump, whatever it was. They had the marathon was the biggie, okay. So uh, they couldn't take shortcuts because if they did, what would happen? They'd lose the race. They wouldn't win the race. So right. the same with us. Uh, we don't want to take shortcuts to our maturity, to our manhood. We want to go through the race that God has for us, okay? Right. Uh, failure to guard the mind. A little while ago I talked uh, about the big issue today is the eye gate and what happens if you're on that computer. <coughs> pop-ups and naked ladies on the pop-ups. Hit the X at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Don't stare. Close the eye and hit the X. You know, get it out of there. Get whatever pro what program do you have now that can stop that kind of stuff or is there one there's not because there's not a lot of pop-ups okay well not so much but every once in a great while my laptop will pop up something like that I, i've got it or my phone will pop up something like that i gotta do that um but now also um like you were saying uh that a lot of people today are thinking once you once you are are saved that people are thinking that they're saved for good they don't got to deal with that again. But then I've also been keeping tabs on uh, Joyce Meyer's sermons in the morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's stating that every day, you before when your feet hit the floor, just like Pastor Judy used to say, you ask God what you want him to do today. Pray right then. Yeah. And ask for forgiveness. Submit. And yeah. accept him again every day every day except the Lord Jesus as your Savior yep. is your only way to get through a day without or very little sin and it covers you for any mishaps you had the day before because you're, you're, you're resaving yourself yeah. every morning that you wake first off thank him for life that you're here again you woke up you know and now what, what is God's will what has God got for me to do today and Lord Jesus, I'm, I, I admit I'm a lost sinner. My flesh is weak. For any mishaps I've done yesterday, I'm appealing and repent to you. I accept you as my Savior. 
I do it all the time. I, I do it two and three times. <laughs> I, I could do a whole seminar on that subject about there. there's something in the Bible called the legal aspect of salvation. Uh, this, this entire book and this entire experience that you're living is a legal exhibit before the Supreme Court of the universe. Because you're aware there was, uh, there was oh, Lucy, Lucifer, uh, the, the head worship angel of all of the universe, and all he had his own pipe organ built in, all that kind of stuff, and super smart, brilliant. And I'm, I'm wondering if he wasn't like a like a uh, an assistant pastor to the father somewhere or another. You know, his position is his closeness to the father, and it says pride got into him. Somewhere or another, pride got into him, and he decided I'm better. I'm as good as he is. Why don't I take the lead? Yeah, and that's and that actually makes sense because he really had to be that close to God because God yeah. let him left him in charge of eating with all the jewels and everything valuable that was on this earth at this time. What he did is booted him out of the heavens his authority in heaven and sent him to the earth and Lucifer what Lucifer. happened there when, when God created the man and the woman out of the dirt Okay, he was displaying his justice because the accusation from Lucifer was you're unfair you're unjust mm -hmm. so God is displaying that's why I say we're a legal exhibit He's displaying to the whole universe that he is fair and just and did the right thing in casting Lucifer out. And he cast him out and he cast him down to the earth. And he was here wandering the earth, doing mischief. The Bible says that God created everything and it was good. And it says in Genesis 1-2, and the earth, in the Hebrew says, and the earth became without void, became a waste in wilderness. Why did it do that? Because of the rebellion of Lucifer. It became a waste, it was darkness, just a wilderness. And it says, and God said, let there be light or light become. In other words, he was restoring and re relighting the fire and all that stuff. And, re and he, he reached down in the dirt and created these people, breathed himself. See, the angels are not necessarily breathed from God. They're created by him, created beings. They're lower than humans, actually, according to the word. They're actually lower in, the, in their order. He breathes out of himself in his own image these dirt bags and gives them life. And what he was doing was displaying to the universe, I am fair and just, watch what I do with them. He knew they would fail because they're made out of dirt, right? Yeah. He knew they would fail. He knows everything beginning to end. He knew that. He knows they're going to fail. They did. He boots them out of Eden. They're, he, he said to them, don't, don't eat of that fruit because when you do, dying, in Hebrew it says, dying, you'll die. In other words, spiritually, you'll be separated from me. I'll have to kick you out of my presence. You'll die. You'll, your, your flesh will give up on you. You'll die. So they went ahead and did it anyway and got kicked out. And God, he's showing his justice. It says that they needed clothes because they realized they was, they was on Playboy's cover or whatever. You know, all of a sudden, they, the glory of God had left them in the garden. They were clothed with his light before. They didn't know it. It says they didn't know they were naked because they had light covering them. And when the glory, when they sinned and the glory left them, it left. And so they're standing there naked and they're ashamed. And the light got covered with skin. And they, they got noticed. And what God was showing them was how to sacrifice, how to atone, how to make it right with me. That's what they did with blood of animals. Okay. He knew about this. He knew how the blood would work. He knew the blood of Jesus would eventually be the redeeming thing that brought us out of all that mess. Because the people, uh, they, they voluntarily put themselves into a slave market slave market of sin. They're slaves to sin. They put themselves there um, and they put all of their descendants 
there. So what what was the the rescue? What's the justice God's displaying? He's going to come, provide one of Himself, the Trinity, to come down and become one of us and be our substitute to pay for all the the sin and mess. It says in the Word when He was on the cross, He laid on Him all of our sins. Just think about how many you've committed in your life. How many billion? What do we have? Seven point eight billion people. Think about that. Think what kind of a load that would be on one person. But Jesus did that and laid upon him. And in doing that, he set up a perfect plan. This salvation, technically speaking, legally, courtroom speaking, there is such a thing as once saved, always saved. Okay? But then we have responsibility. It's called, I've heard it called the vital side, the living side, the life side of it. There's a legal side. Uh, I was adopted by Arthur E. Warlick at age 15. In the state of Texas, here's what's kind of cool about that. He can never disown me by law. He chose me as his own, and the judge said, finished, and adopted me, and he could never, he's now in heaven, but he could never, all those years could never disown me. I would have his name forever. I'd be his son forever. In the same sense, legally speaking, God, not only were we born from heaven, but he adopted us, it says. So in that sense, the word legally, but then we deal with Paul, like you're talking about, people act like apes. and <laughs> They're just numbskulls some of the time. And they allow the sin to get, the, not the mind of Jesus, but the mind of the flesh to get on them. It says in the Bible, you're the enemy of God when you walk after the flesh. And that's what folks do. That's what they're dealing with. They're in this family of God. I call it the circle of a fellowship with God. And then there's the big circle of salvation. So legally speaking, it is possible that could be true However, they make such a mess of things vitally, life-wise, they make such a mess of things, and we can't see a way out of it. We get disgusted with it, don't we? You know, I, I, people, people uh, self-induced misery, they're doing stupid things, and, and you know, they're doing stupid things, get themselves sick with cancer, or whatever the case may be, they're doing, they get themselves in some kind of legal jam because they did made stupid decisions, and they're up there bawling and squalling to God or mad at God, worse than that, mad at God and say, I'm never serving you again because you did this to me. Well, God didn't do that. They did it right. themselves. Right. They, were, it they planted themselves. the wrong kind of seed and what happened? That seed come up and they got a harvest out of it and they don't like what they're eating now. Right. They got sour apples. Yeah, they don't care for that. So in that sense of the word, that there could be a truth in that doctrine, but yet we're in here inside the fellowship circle living day to day and uh, Brother Swaggart said one time, the trouble with life is it's so daily. It's so daily. You're trying to go minute by minute through this thing. It, it gets rough sometimes to keep that flesh and mind thinking on the Lord. And that's something I was going to bring up. You were talking about that. What we need to learn is one of the principles we talked about in here, practicing the presence of the Lord, of Jesus. Right. In other words, uh, one time in my younger years, I was by myself and this thought came into there, you ought to do this. And it, it wasn't necessarily some vile something, sin or something, but it, for me it was sin because it would have gone against my conscience and, and hurt my spirit and stuff. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there, it comes in, and you, you, you know, you're all by yourself. No one will know, you ought to do that. You ever had that happen? Oh, no one will know, you're by yourself. No one will know. Go ahead. Yeah. You well, got the, you got the little younger red, day, I used red to uh, that way, yeah. guy over here, and you got the, the white, white wing guy over here, you know? 
and and then no 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 I get it I, I I decided not to do that anymore I'm not gonna do that oh come on what's it gonna hurt man no one will know but no 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 and after a little bit I was I was kind of wavering for a minute there I was just kind of wavering on top of the fence and I heard this voice that I recognize his voice says I'm here guess who that was that was Jesus mm -hmm. And guess how things in my thinking changed when I heard those words. <laughs> it turned around. I mean, it went back to the righteous side right then. So we that's thats the secret of all this, practicing the presence of Jesus. Now, we talked about the big circle salvation, but inside that is Father's house. It's fellowship, Father's house. And that's our number one task as a child of God, stay in fellowship. Because when we're in fellowship, we can be filled with the Spirit of God. We can practice that presence of Jesus. We can yield to him. We can be blessed. We can live blessed. We can live with favor. It's a big deal, guys. It's a big deal. So anyway, we stay inside that fellowship. We do 1 John 1, 9. You've heard that, I'm sure. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I, I've told folks in the past, that's like you know, we're, we're a spiritual baby and we poop our diaper and what has to happen? It's got to be clean, right? Change the diaper, right? Well, that's that's First John one nine. It's a diaper change scripture, spiritually. So we stay inside that circle of fellowship, and that's what we need to do so that we don't get the self-induced misery. We don't get the spankings, because it talks about it. What, what father doesn't discipline his kids if they're acting up? Mine, I only had to spank them maybe less than that many times in their entire life. They gave up. <laughs> they gave up making dad <laughs> irritated for that. Yeah. So they, they, got, they got the fear of dad in. Yeah. So anyway, that that's an overview of that, and I done took ten minutes, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> we are going to get to this margin, okay? We uh, number five was hanging with foolish friends, and you all know the importance of that. And then uh, disconnected from genuine fellowship with authentic, godly men. We have to stay together. Our platoon needs to stay together, okay? Our battalion needs to stay together. We must. Okay. Don't, don't, you know, if you messed up, don't run from God. Run to Him. And the best way to run to Him is run to your brothers in Christ, your sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. Keep stay with the platoon, okay? Well, one thing in diagnosis, one, one of the areas that they diagnose is environmental. Is there an environmental cause? And when you're, you have to choose what environment you're yes. going to have around you. Yes. Are you going to have the environment of those that will infect you with what they're doing or the environment of others that believe on the word as you do that can build you up? Exactly. Evil, uh, that verse says evil, evil sharing communications corrupts good morals, mm -hmm. good manners. Amen. Amen. So, Margin. We're going to get into the margin as quickly as we can. We've got a few minutes for that. That's uh, the amount available beyond what is necessary. Uh, to determine that, you have to decide what is valuable to you. What are your values in life? What's meaningful to you? What, what's of importance to you? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, we're driven by what we believe is necessary or valuable, and that's motivation to us. We're driven by that. Okay. So. Uh, the way to know if you're in a rushed family, this is margins about, time is a big thing, margins big in time. I can remember earlier years in Oklahoma, uh, 
Bill Hybels had a real good book. I know I know that people are mad at him about stuff. And all, but he had some really good word he put out. Too busy not to pray. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he, he was talking about time, rushed time. Back in the day in Oklahoma, I had 40-acre ranch with animals, raisin, pecan grove. I had a contracting company. I had a church, family, all, and accepted vice presidency of CGMA 20 years ago. So I have, there was no spare time. There was no spare time. My poor kids, like I said with, with my boys, they would, and I'm ashamed to admit this, it's the confession of a fault. I'd be in my office at the ranch, with my back to the door because I'm on the computer doing stuff, and I'd, I'd hear one of them toddle in there, and one was, one was this big and the other was about that big, and they'd stop and look at me, and they're looking at me like, hey, I'm here, Dad. Don't you love me? Don't you care? Don't you want to talk to me? They'd look at me, and I'd be so busy and so caught up and focused that I would realize they were there and turn around and look at them like, okay, I'm busy. Let me work. I'm ashamed to, to admit that that was something terrible. But that, and my, but you know what? The grace of God, they're strong in the Lord. One of them's got me two grandbabies and working on a third one right now. And the other one's working on five, so <laughs> glory to God. And my daughter's in the ministry too. They're that same, Susanna do the same thing, walk in there at five years old and look and I'd be busy. So we, we, we got to work on our margins. Um, marks of a rushed or hurried family, the margins are taken away. So busy we cannot relax. Uncomfortable with quiet. Last week Joyce Myers was talking about busyness. Right? Right. Seldom satisfied with what we have in life. Right. Shifting standards within the family. You let one kid do this or that. Never have dreamed of allowing that, but you're letting them do it. Mm-hmm. It happened in, in the household I grew up with. In. Right. And I had a, I have a godly mama I talked with her today earlier. And she was really concerned about the foot. She said she's been praying for me. She said I would start dry heaving and figured something's going on. That's part of the stuff I've been dealing with today. <laughs> that new medicine, the Trulicity that you see advertised. <laughs> Three weeks now, I, I'm at breakfast time and I <laughs> go over to the sink and I'm all of a sudden rip, 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 violently dry heaving in the sink, you know. So anyway, she's praying and says, I was in. I was praying for you. I knew I was praying for you, but I started dry heaving. Couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, what is that Trulicity for? What's it? What's it uh, it actually relieves you. It actually is supposed to make your pancreas start making its own insulin, which is better for you because your body will receive it, your cells okay, receive so it better okay. than the artificial stuff you inject yourself with. And I've been on the artificial stuff for a couple of years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, the hard thing is that that's made out of animal byproduct. I don't know, but it, it, it worked. I mean, that first week, two weeks, it kept the blood sugar 100 to 70 all the time, no matter what I ate or anything. But this last week, it's gone up a little stress or something. So anyway, it'd, it'd give you morning sickness, and then in the afternoon, you'd be like having the flu, want to die, and that kind of thing. So it's been a rough six weeks, actually, now. Right. That, so I felt like laying down and, and going to bed and calling Dwayne tonight, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. So <laughs> that's the feelings. Well, you, you press forward, man. You can't give up. You can't give in. So overworked and underappreciated. You ever felt that way? Overworked and underappreciated. Oh, a lot <laughs> of times. A lot of times. I remember working. Uh, not unusual in the early years of the contract to put in eight, 16 to 20 hour days. Six to seven, six days. 
break to go to church, come back, and the poor kids didn't know how, two-year-old kids didn't know how it was. Come in the house, they didn't know how it was. You know. Well, that, that ended at that point. I quit that. So worrying about things we can't control. You ever done that? Sure. Oh, yeah. If you really want to get into that, start worrying about Mr. Trump and Mr. Biden and the politics of the nation and stuff like that, and worry about what the news, the fake news keeps putting out on the news. Oh, about the fake news. Yeah, the fake news. Exactly. Oh, man. We, we can't control that, but we what we can do to control it is to live in, in practice the presence of Jesus, live in his, his sphere of power, yeah. become a power sphere for God, yeah. and live and let that affect society I, around you. I reflect on it, but I don't panic over it because yeah. I know God's in control. That's the peace of God. Um, that's, that's actually what I was working on before you guys got in Sunday morning that had come to me a, a thing on the peace of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then Dola spoke about it. Yeah. So I didn't have to address anything. <laughs> well, I get all the time on the phone, I get news notification headlines and I half of my laugh at. Because mm -hmm. I know that's not true. <laughs> Especially the ones about politics in Washington, D.C. So anyway, worrying about things we can't control. Not happy unless we are successful in our own eyes. Mm. Now, what is true success? Happiness within yourself. Yes, Matt. Hi. Are you telling me to... Are you ringing the gong on me? Yes, yes. The gong show. The gong has rung, okay? Mm. Not happy unless we're successful in our own eyes. Success can be stated this way, following and doing God's will completely in your life. Absolutely. Within you practicing the presence yeah. of the Lord. As long as the Holy Spirit has got you going and okay within you. Okay. Be a God pleaser. Amen. Be a God pleaser or a self pleaser or what was the third one I was thinking of? Or a man pleaser. Amen. Which are you going to be? <laughs> we will. This will be part two next Wednesday. Hopefully, y'all can make it uh, for next Wednesday. Mike will be back with us. Yeah, pretty sure he's in Florida. Mike is in Florida. Uh, his kind of like a spiritual father to him passed away recently. He's down for a memorial service down there, a celebration of life down there, or he would be.